Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Towerhurst N podcast. Uh, it's Ross, not Ben, speaking to you first here today. Um, but don't worry, we've still got a, a magnificent duo, uh, mostly kept up today by Nick Blackman. How are you doing, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, very excited to have you on today. Um, now, of course, most of our fans are, are based in uh, Berkshire down in the in the south of England. Nick and I are both coming to you from the eastern time zone today. So if you get any little uh, technical difficulties or anything, don't worry about that. We're, we'll uh, we'll make sure that it will get smoothed out in post. But really looking forward to talking to you today, Nick. And uh, very excited for your old manager, Steve Clark, making it into the uh, Euros for a second time running again. Yeah, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. And yes, uh, Steve Clark is someone who I have uh, fond memories of working with. And uh, it's no surprise to, to see how well he's gone on to do. Awesome, awesome. Well, we'll get into that and, and, a, and a whole host of other things in just a moment after these messages. Be loud and be proud and back the boys and make some noise. Come on, you Oz! Shout out to this week's podcast sponsor, ZCZ Films showing that age is no barrier to being a hooli hoop. All right. Well, welcome back to the Tower House M podcast interview uh, with Nick Blackman. So, Nick, um, uh, while the club right now, of course, we're in League One, we're, we're a little bit further away from where we were uh, when you joined. Um, we, you, when you joined us, we were actually in the Premier League uh, in, in January 2013. So can you tell us a little bit about what it was like being approached by a, a Premier League club and... Um, I guess, whether you thought we could stay up when you signed. Uh, yeah, it, it all ca- happened uh, quite quickly. It feels like a long time ago now. Uh, yeah, but sure. It all, all happened really quickly. Um, I remember playing against Reading in, uh, in the FA Cup for mm-hmm. Sheffield United at the time. And um, although yeah, we, we were comfortably beaten, um, I had a, a decent-ish game for, like, personally anyway. And um, there was another club interested at the time and uh, they put a bid in. And before I knew it, that weekend, Reading had also put a bid in. So it was a, a bit of a whirlwind, 48 hours. And then I was, uh, before you knew it, I was watching Reading uh, equalise to make it 2-0 against uh, Chelsea at, at uh, Majeski Stadium, which was, uh, that was incredible. Um, and yeah, an incredible time in my career and uh, very grateful for, for joining such a good club. When you were, um, you know, coming through the ranks and everything, because obviously you played in Manchester, um, a little bit of playing the, in the Maccabea games, which is awesome, um, playing in Macclesfield. Did you always think the Premier League was the goal or were you just trying to sort of get anywhere you could in professional football? Um, no, I always had a dream of, of playing in the Premier League and trying to test yourself against the best players in the world. Um and yeah, I was, I was fortunate to do that. I managed to play there for a, a few games. Uh, it could have been uh, a few more, uh, but it also could never have happened as well. So I'm, I'm really grateful as well for, for the opportunity that was given to me to, to play a, a good handful of games there. And uh, it was a, a great learning curve for me. Definitely. Definitely, yeah. And of course, when you arrived, it's great that you mentioned the um, the Chelsea two two game. It's one of the one of it's one of my favorite memories as a as a Reading fan actually. And that atmosphere when you came in um, to the club in January twenty thirteen, um, obviously it's a little while ago now, but 
Um, I feel like that was the time in that Premier League season where Reading fans and the players were most excited, motivated. Um, it seemed like things were going in the right direction. I think um, I think Brian won Manager of the Month in January as as well. So, what was that atmosphere like when you when you joined the club? Uh, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, Alfie uh, Adam Lafondre, I think he was Player of the Month as well uh, that month. Yep. Um, so I just I, I just remember when I joined, there was a, a great feel about the club in terms of with the never uh, say die attitude, and you know they they uh, had maybe three or four comebacks in in recent weeks before before I joined. So it was a uh, it was fantastic to be a part of such a, a tight knit group, and uh, yeah. yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. There was also uh, Hope Akpan. He he joined I think the week before me. Um, so there was two of oh, us yeah, there yeah. at that time, two young young players. Um, so yeah, it was notorious. I think there was a few good comebacks. One against West Brom, and then they I think they won against Newcastle maybe away the week before. So yeah, it was it was a fantastic time yeah. to be to be part of the of the squad and part of the team. Definitely, yeah, no, definitely. You got to learn um, under you know as sort of like a winger forward. Um, you got to learn under some some great players at Reading at that time. Uh, I think you were there with uh, Joby McEnough, uh, who would, would was Joby captain still at that time, I believe. I think yeah, so. yeah, Joby was there. So what? So uh, I'm sure you've had many captains through your whole time. We, I think, as Reading fans, think of Joby as this this superhero captain. Uh, what was he like for, for you uh, in the dressing room? Um, incredible, really. He was a, he was a great guy. Um, obviously, I was, I was trying to take his place at the time. Yeah, there was that internal competition. But um, somebody to, to learn off like that and, and watch how he conducts himself, you know, day to day. And yeah. I think the, the thing that was most impressive about Job was the way he spoke and in such a calm manner. You get such a clear message across almost to the point where the manager would take the team talks. But aside from that, there was, it was Joby really, you know, conducting, conducting the changing room and uh, he had it well, well run and uh, very grateful to, to play under him. And he's somebody who I keep in touch to to this day. Um, so he's a, he's a fantastic guy and he's gone on to do really well for himself. Yeah. He, um, we were lucky enough to get a chance to speak with him on five live earlier this uh, season. And, you know, as much, you know, as an inspiration for yourself as a winger and competition, of course, um, but he was really an inspiration for us as well uh, with the, with the podcasting or the media and stuff, because the way he speaks, you know, you're talking there about his communication skills, um, just a really, um, really good communicator. So yeah, great to hear. Um, so the, obviously the Premier League stay, didn't unfortunately go on too long, uh, and we were we were relegated um, we're at the end of the season. Um, now coming back up, we had Nigel Adkins, who, by the way, seems like the nicest man in football from his social media profiles. Um, but as players, you know, in a club that's been relegated, do you feel that pressure um, to get to bounce back immediately and get promoted again? Yeah, obviously there was that there was that pressure to. Uh to get back into the Premier League as quickly as possible. And uh, Nigel was brought in to, to do that. I think he came in at a, a fairly hectic time and that was me included as well. You know, around January, we made a couple of signings where if, if you look back at it now, if, um, again, so for instance, me and Hope, we, we signed from League One respectively. And I'm not saying we didn't have the ability to play in that team, but if you are 
um, looking at it now from a, a more logical point of view and, and maybe you're, you're trying to stay in the Premier League, you probably could have done with signing players with a little bit more experience. I'm not saying that we couldn't have, have sprinkled in the, the, youth, the youthfulness that we, we had at the time, um, but in terms, you probably would have been looking for a, a couple of more older heads along to go with me and maybe Hope as, as signings, if that made sense. Um, you know, you had people like Jason Roberts at the time, um, people like that of, of that caliber and of that stature. And I think yeah. that mix with the youth would have been a, a lot better um, or would have given us probably a lot better chance of staying up rather than it just being, you know, solely reliant on on the young, a couple of young kids coming in. Um, but then in terms of yeah. that summer, there was a, a bit of an exodus in terms of kind of which direction the club was going in. They, you know, they invested heavily in, in Danny and Royston came in as well. So it was a bit of a whirlwind time for the club and it, it started to go in a little bit of a different direction you, to what it was kind of known for and what, and what yeah. the, success, the success was built on, you know. Um, you had real togetherness and a close-knit group. And I'm not saying those guys were not good guys. They were, they were great guys and I'm really close with, with Danny and I still speak with Royston. Um, but, you know, it, it just slightly went in a, in a different direction, the club. And, uh, you know, we lost a couple of players and they were big players in the, in the dressing room. It was a, a bit of a the, the the time there. It wasn't it wasn't stable as as it was when I when I previously signed in under under um, McDermott. So it was a it was starting mm -hmm. to to turn into a different a bit of a different team and a bit of a different club. It's a really interesting um, it's a really interesting thing you're saying because I think a lot of Reading fans uh, agree with you that around that time. Um, you know, coming out of the Premier League, the most recent time, the club did start to shift, you know, away from that sort of the Reading way. Um, and, 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 you know, you talk about comebacks and belief and spirit and those kinds of things. And that's the Reading I grew up on. And, and I agree, like it, it did seem to move on a bit then. So one question I'll ask you a little early, actually, um, do you think then even as soon as that you could feel the club moving away from its uh, original like ethos that got it into the Premier League, which kind of leads towards the situation um, the club's in now? Um, yes, I would say so. I think the wage structure might have been broken. Um, obviously, at the time, the, it was the Russian owner. Um, I can't yep. quite remember his name. Yeah, yeah um, he brought uh, Pavin. Uh, he was in before me anyway, but I know he was brought in on, on a lot of money. Um, and then, for instance, I think Royston and Danny, they came in in the summer. So the, the way structures it started to change a little bit where I think previously, uh, somebody could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think everyone was kind of a bit closer to each other in terms of wages. So there was no real top earners or, or anything like that. So it was kind of a, a real close-knit group. Uh, there was no divides or separations within the changing room. And I think everyone was kind of pulling in the same direction where as soon as you start going and breaking way structures uh, by substantial amounts as well, then I think uh, it's, only, it's, it's inevitable. It's just uh, about when it's going to happen in terms of the fractions within the, within the changing room and, yeah. um, and kind of the togetherness of which direction the club is actually going in. So that's actually a great topic. Um, really great answer. Thank you. And, and it's a really good topic. One question, and, and we'll kind of ask 
um, you know, a little bit about what they were like behind the scenes. Because I think most Reading fans, regardless of how they feel about how they played, um, they like Pogrebniak, um, and they like um, the the you know the cult of Royston Drenther and that sort of those memories around him and all those kinds of things. So they're they're a fun, you know you want success when you're thinking about your football club, but you also want fun. And and those are some players that to fans you know seem fun. Um, but when you have those like big names, for lack of a better term, um, in the changing room, you know, is it obvious to the players as well, or are they usually is it you know do they i guess you're saying like the divides can happen so like is it uh when you have big players in the dressing room is that obvious to players or is that more of something just for fans to think sorry that question cut out then uh when you said divides can no happen. my bad i want to re-ask that question anyway because i got that wrong um so <laughs> no problem all right cool. yeah so um when uh, when you have you know big names in the changing room, um, such as Pogrebniak for sure, and 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 Drenthe, the idea might have been there for that as well. Is that obvious to players um, in the way that it is to fans, or, or are you all just like one tight knit group? I suppose. No, all all one tight knit group, and those guys that you just mentioned are fantastic guys. Um, yeah. Great in the changing room. Um, Royston's probably one of the most talented players I've, I've played with. Uh, he yeah. was phenomenal, absolute live wire. And there was never a, a dull moment uh, around him. Um, yeah. And Pav worked his, worked his socks off um, and did really well for, for the club initially, especially. Um, scored some really important goals in the, in the Premier League. Um, but again, it, it wasn't so much about them. They, they were fantastic people, fantastic guys, but it just becomes... Um, Destructured, if that's the the right word, the club just loses the, the structure that it was it was working off of, having mm-hmm. everyone kind of within the similar wage bracket, having no real separation. There's, and ultimately, as as good a guys as they were, you would you would hear conversations with with certain players that certain players were earning this much more than other players, and and it's just just inevitable that uh, there's going to be a bit of discontent around the changing room with with regarding certain people once the way structure is, is broken that much for sure yeah definitely okay well i won't uh i won't ask you to you know to to pick at your, your friends at all anymore don't worry because they i, I we've definitely got some questions in that more lighthearted bit like, you know what they were like and, and no um, your favorite memories and things like that but let's move on to the the 2014 15 right, season and of course, Steve Clark joined that season. So the two things that the most Reading fans will remember from that season: Steve Clark joining and the FA Cup campaign, which I think you'll have quite an interesting perspective on. Because am I right in thinking that you unfortunately missed the the game at Wembley with Arsenal? Yeah, and I, I yeah. apologize no, for my. No, tell us. Oh, you've touched the you've touched the wound there. Um, oh, I thought sorry. I'd hear from that. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting story. Yeah, Steve Clark came in, and um, straight away, I really um, enjoyed his his methods and his ways of working, um, which was it was fantastic, and it was it was like a breath of fresh air. Um, yeah. And yeah, with regarding to the to the FA Cup, we we got on a decent run, and then come. The Wembley game. I remember he called me into his office, and uh, I, I can't remember who. There was another player in front of me, 
And he just mm. he just walked out and he just he just shook his head. And I knew then it was probably bad news. Um, mm. And I remember him just telling me he was there with Kev Keane, his assistant at the time, and just saying, like, unfortunately, Nick, you, you're going to miss out on the bench today. And it it hurt me because I'd been on, I was part of the squads, if, if right. not, you know, playing or starting, which I wasn't really a, a starter when he first came in. Um, but I would normally come on, you know, 15 or 20 minutes after for the, for the end yeah. of the game and normally play. So just out of the out of the blue, it, it kind of hit me anyway. And I just remember I went straight to, I felt like this numbness and I went straight to uh, Chris Gunter and Gareth McCleary's room. Yeah. And just burst out crying. Um, those mm. those two were probably. Uh, I'm friendly with with a lot of the guys, but those two are probably my closest closest friends within yeah. the in the squad. And I remember um, they were just consoling me, and, and I, I also felt a little bit bad because I know they had potentially the biggest game of their lives coming up in a few hours as well. But we were we were close anyway. Um, so yeah, I had I had my cry, and then uh, I kind of. Uh, rolled my sleeves up and, and got behind the boys, and it was it was amazing to to see how well they they put up a fight against against Arsenal and actually played some really good football and, and had them on the ropes for a period of time as well, yeah. especially just after G's goal. Um, but yeah, still to this day, it hurts me that I, I wasn't involved and I didn't manage to get on the pitch. Um, but yeah, it's it's yeah. something that shaped my that moment for me is probably a pivotal moment that, that shaped my Reading career. Um, so yeah, it was uh, something I used and, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's just, it's one of those things. I, yeah, no, I hated to remind you of that. I do, I do apologize. (laughs) Um, Really interesting insight. Thank you. And, and, um, yeah, it's just really interesting to hear, you know, like all the way from like the youth level up to, I feel like, uh, legends, let let alone like adult level, you know, people are always going to be disappointed you know if, if at the end of the day they go they don't get to play so um yeah it's really interesting insight thank you so yeah that's kind of where i was going to go you know so the 2015-16 season um obviously they're amazing start for you um had a lot of fun preparing for this interview uh watching back through through all of those goals um all of those haircuts like we discussed uh, a little <laughs> before and uh so i guess was that kind of what was behind it? Your incredible start, the the motivation from the the FA Cup uh, semi final, or what do you think happened there at the start of the season? Um, yeah, I also the last game of the season. I think we played Derby away, and we beat them three three one maybe. And um, I just remember that Steve Clark. Um, he put a couple of young boys on ahead of me at, at the time. I think T, yeah, T, uh, Tariq, uh, oh, yeah. he came yeah. on and also Jack Stacy. I think might have started a game. So that yeah. was kind of a, a, an important thing for me as well. That maybe my future didn't quite lie at the club. I think I was going into my final year, um, hadn't performed particularly well when given opportunities, even though I really enjoyed working under the manager. And I just remember um, the day after that, that derby game, last game of the season, I was training. I started training the next day and I just, first day back of pre-season, hit the ground running and I, I just went for it. Um, whether the manager was going to play me or he's not going to play me, I was going to make sure that 
if I was going to go out at Reading, I was going to I was going to do it my way. And um, yeah, I, I scored some goals in pre-season, and you could see the the manager really starting to to build a style of play up. And again, as I previously stated, I really enjoyed his style of play previous to, to other managers. I felt it it suited me a lot more. And um, yeah, just kind of just built that momentum up over pre-season, and uh, we had a great squad, and he, he made some great additions as well. Do you obviously casting in mind back now a little bit, but um, I'll, I'll obviously post the fantastic video um, that Reading posted way back of uh, of your ten goals to start the season there. But uh, do you have a particular favorite that you remember uh, in there at all? Um, I'm asking you to go way back. Sorry. Ooh, favorite, a favorite. I would say it was the um, Ipswich. I think it, I'd say yeah, Ipswich at home. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it was my favorite in terms of like obviously goal scored, but I think it was the most important one. Um, mm. We just got off. We beat Brentford. I think the international break before. And um, I scored a couple of goals in that. And then we went into the international break. And I still know at that time that the club were probably looking to sell me. And I had yeah. an offer from yeah. Wolves for uh, a three-year contract on the, on the same money that I was on at the time. And okay. anybody in their right mind performing probably the way that I performed over those last couple of years when I, when I joined Reading would have told me to, to snap the hand off it because I didn't deserve it. Um, in my in my own opinion, anyway, I'd not done enough to to warrant that contract, but there was something that I felt comfortable in the working with working with Steve Clark, and I really enjoyed his football, as I've said probably for the tenth time already. Um, and I remember the club was still trying to sell me after that international break, so we came back and played Ipswich, and I remember it was on TV, and I said to myself, I probably got about an hour to to do something that night because we just signed. Uh, Lucas had come in, Ola John had come in, and yep, then yeah. we had Hal on the bench, uh, G McCleary, uh, Gareth on the bench. Yep. Uh, we had Vids Orlando start starting, so I knew that uh, the manager was looking to bring his signings into the team, and I'd have to do something in that game to to keep my place. I'd, I'd have to earn my place. Literally every game, there's I couldn't rest on my laurels or, or anything that I'd done in the past. So. Luckily enough, I managed to assist a couple of goals and then I scored one as well. I think it was just before the 60th minute and I knew then I w if I could like carry on this momentum that I knew the manager wouldn't be able to take me out of the team if I was scoring goals. So I think the yeah. timing of, of that goal was probably the most important because it was around the 60th minute mark where I thought he might have, he might have dragged yeah. me off and then that, that, that could have been that. Yeah. <laughs> Had you ever, because um, in there you managed a five-game scoring streak, um, which is really impressive, obviously. Maybe in youth, so uh, I almost called it soccer, maybe in youth football. Um, but had you, in any other time in your professional career, had you managed a five-game scoring streak? Um, off the top of my head, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Nice. Okay. Now, um, would you say that the red hot scoring streak was related to your red hot hair at the time, which did keep changing color? <laughs> um, I, I don't necessarily know if it was down to the hair, but I think it might have been uh, the attitude or the reason behind having the hair. I kind of, yeah. uh, 
um, had enough of not expressing myself, whether that be on the on the pitch or, or or off the pitch, and kind of playing it safe. So that was probably me just rebelling and just I'm I'm going to do what I want to do. And look, if it works, it works, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. But I think it's 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 better to to uh, to try and, and be yourself and uh, and back yourself 100. percent that's a that's a fantastic message. Yeah, I love that. Actually, if that's if there's a quote I'm going to take away from this, that's the that's the one. Ready? <laughs> so, so um, obviously, um, you know, the the team started so well uh, in the 2015-16 season, um, and then there was an approach for Steve Clark from Fulham. Um, so. Unfortunately, after that, he was um, let go from the team. Do you feel um, that that team could have gotten promoted if Steve Clark had stayed, um, or do you think that the, that Fulham, um, you know, news story kind of uh, started at issues? I guess one hundred percent. I think if you if you look back at, I think we played Burnley and Middlesbrough within the space of maybe a week. Mm-hmm. And we beat them both pretty comfortably. Uh, one was at home and one was away. And with the, the quality and the ability that we had, um, absolutely, 100%. I think maybe we could have struggled a little bit in the latter stages of the season with depth, um, depth in the squad at the time. Uh, but yeah, 100%. And still to this day, I, I really don't know what happened uh, with the Fulham event. I think... We played Fulham, I remember, and we ended up losing. I'm not quite sure how we lost that game. And uh, there's something in the news saying he, he was going to go. And then I don't know what it was, but we went into training maybe a few days after that. And it was something had changed. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what had happened, but it just felt uh, like something had, had gone within the team and something had been dismantled. I, I, I still can't explain to this day what, yeah. what had happened. It sounds like you're in the same boat to a lot of Reading fans. Just unfortunately, you know, it fizzles away, and and you, and it's so difficult yeah. to get that atmosphere back um, once yeah. it's gone. So, um, well, we'll 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 stay on Steve Clark briefly. Obviously, I, unfortunately, he left, um, but he's had a pretty impressive career since then. And I think a lot of Reading fans also feel. I, I know our editor Sim, for example, very much feels like he's one that got away, um, and a manager that perhaps should have been given more time. Um, now he's doing so well with Scotland um, and doing incredible things like playing Scott McTominay as a 10, uh, which I love. Um, any insights on, you know, why he might be doing quite so well in international football versus club football or anything like that? Um, well, I think he had a great run at West Brom early on as well when he, when he first took over there, but um he's got a great pedigree he he really understands the game and he actually made me look at the game from a, a different perspective um just inc- incredible I, I learned so much under him he almost gave me a position in football that i'd not quite uh known it had existed he kind of created a role yeah. that really suited that really suited me so again he's he's somebody who can um you know, get the best out of individual players. But I think the most important thing that I would say for Steve Clark as well is like tactically, he would set a team up and everybody in there had an individual job to do. You just do your job. Like everybody knew yeah. what each other's jobs were, but you, that is your job. You don't have to do anybody else's job because if they're not capable of doing it, he'll replace you. You just stick and do your job. And 
nobody got kind of intertwined and started to do anything extra. It was, for instance, a midfielder's job was to give the ball to the forwards, the forwards' job is to score, end of conversation. Like, you're not to to go running around and start thinking you can do it all yourself. Everybody had their individual roles. And I think the simplicity that everyone worked under with him, it was, it's fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. That's really interesting to hear about the sort of compartmentalizing of, of, of the roles and, and things like that. And I feel like almost quite ahead of, ahead of time. because like, that's really something we've moved into now with players, you know, having very specific roles, um, not necessarily playing in their position group or, or something like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. interesting. Um, so after um, Steve Clark left, um, you moved on to to Derby, and and you mentioned that there were some bids for you already from Wolves um, and others. Um, so was Steve Clark's departure uh, at all linked to your decision to move, or was that something that you were already um, sort of thinking about? No, I wasn't thinking about it at the time. I knew I had six months left on my contract, so I knew. I was in a I was in a good position at the time. Um, yeah. Steve Clark left, and that was a big blow to me personally because of a I enjoyed working under him, but b how he went about things. He created this role for me. Would the new manager who was to come in still give me this similar role? Um, and Reading, I wanted to speak to Reading about offering a new deal. And at that time, mm-hmm. Reading didn't have a conversation with me about it. And we're going into January now. So I know the conversations need to be had. Um, yeah. The next thing is, I see on Sky Sports News that Sheffield Wednesday had put a bid in for me that had been accepted. But I found out that the owners of Reading were linked to Sheffield Wednesday as well at the time. Um, so obviously, I played for Sheffield United. So that was not going to happen. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, as of me staying at Reading, I wanted to stay at Reading. They then brought um, McDermott back in. Yep. And as much as I enjoyed working under McDermott, what I'd learned under Steve Clark is where I wanted to... It was a totally different style of football. And I wanted to play in that kind of style of football as as much as possible. So... um, I'd worked with Paul Clement previously at Blackburn Rovers. As a, he was an assistant manager there, and obviously his, his pedigree speaks for himself. Would be an assistant manager at Bayern Munich and Real Madrid. And when he came he came in for me, it was it was a real no brainer. I think at the time they were uh, maybe two points off the top in the in second of the championship, and you'd, people would have expected them from from that position to uh, to go and get promoted. And uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen at uh, quite a few attempts. And after a lot of money was spent, which is, is quite unfortunate there, uh, things weren't quite right at Derby at, at the time as a club. But it's a, it's a move that if I was presented with again at this moment in time, I would still, it, it ticks all the boxes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think it's really interesting to hear you talk about um, how you you had learned with Steve Clark this role, and then going back to Brian McDermott, you weren't a hundred percent sure, you know, if you were going to be able to play that role in his system or anything like that. One thing I hear about players sometimes is that there's no bad players in professional football. It's it's about finding the right role for them. Do you think that's the case? Like one hundred percent, one hundred percent, because I. Um especially under Brian at the time, it was a different style of football, but to, to join a Premier League club, 
um, and joining from League One, who am I to, to turn that down? It's a fantastic opportunity. But in terms mm. of them, for instance, Nigel Adkins, when he came in, as great of a guy he is, I didn't enjoy playing under him. Um, his, it, it, it didn't suit me at all. Um, and I had to be patient and people would get frustrated with me at the same time in terms of my training performances were really good, but I couldn't then replicate that in a game. Now, yeah. as much as that is, is on me as a, as a player and it's on, on players in general, a lot of the time you will, you will see that um, when certain managers come in, that certain players really flourish and excel under them. And then when another manager comes in, it's a new set of players that, that flourish and excel under them. Yeah. And that was, that was the case. It was when, when a certain style of football just suits a player, then it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different game. And sometimes you think you're watching a different player and you think, where's this come from? But uh, it's, it's, it's yeah. that simple, really. It's that simple. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, really fascinating to to hear about. Okay, so um, we'll move on away from from British shores. Uh, obviously, you spent the first twelve years uh, of your career um, in professional football playing. Um, I'm going to have to say British because you did those two loan spells in Scotland, um, but mostly um, <laughs> yeah. in, uh, in English um, football. Um, so moving to Maccabi Tel Aviv. Um, I can't even imagine. How did you find out they were interested in, in the first place? Um, I'd heard about it at the beginning of the 15-16 season at the time, but I just started off at scoring oh, at the beginning yeah. of the season. Yeah, and they were playing in the Champions League at the time, so that was a, a real eye-opener, but I really wanted to carry on doing well for Reading. And then yep. I'd had a couple of difficult seasons at, uh, at Derby. I'd injured my knee and I was just coming back from fitness and they'd signed a couple of new forwards and I could see that I wasn't going to get the game time that I wanted. Um, had a couple of opportunities to go on loan to a, a couple of other championship teams and it just didn't excite me. I just didn't want to, to go. And then as soon as I heard of Maccabi being interested, something that I turned down a couple of years before, I was like, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to go. They were playing Europa League at the time and obviously... Um, I think in 15, 16, you might have needed to play top six in the Premier League to, to play in Europe, um, which was a, a tough yeah. ask, especially not playing week in, week out in the championship at 27 at the time I was. So I thought it was a, it was a, it was a great opportunity and it's something that I'm really, really thankful uh, that I, I managed to experience. I'm, I'm always... Um... I always take my hat off to to English and and uh, British based players like yourself who have gone abroad because I feel like it happened you know in the eighties and the nineties and then it really slowed down after the the Premier League came in um, obviously but with um, with picking uh, playing in in Israel was that always something that you wanted to do because um, I, I know you had some links to Israel uh, in your youth playing in the Maccabea games and and things like that or was it just the opportunity to go abroad, I suppose. Yeah, it was the opportunity to go abroad. Um, I, I always wanted to play abroad in my, in my career um, to experience a, another culture, a different style of football, another way of, yeah, of living. So yeah, it just, it just happened at the right time. I was, it was probably a good time for it to happen as well as I was mature enough as well, where maybe if it happened a bit earlier in my career, I don't know if I would have been able to adapt as well um, or been experienced enough, but yeah, it, it, it was literally incredible. Um, had an amazing time. Got to play in some fantastic games. Um, probably 
out there in, in those big games was probably the best atmosphere I've ever played football in. Um, yeah. It was just absolute fanatics. It's, it, and just to, you know, to, to live in such a beautiful city like uh, Tel Aviv and, you know, you... If you lose, you can't go to the shops. If you'd win and you've done well and scored a goal, you can't wait to go to the shops. So uh, yeah. it's uh, it's good. It's uh, it's good. It was a great experience. Oh, that's amazing. And of course, um, you did get to play in the Europa League and and score in the Europa League too against a you know a famous team in in Villarreal. Um, can you tell us about that at all? What that experience was like? Because that, that's certainly the highlight of yours that I think I've rewatched the most in the last week or so, even though it wasn't a Reading highlight. <laughs> um, no, it's just a fantastic opportunity. We, we struggled in, in the group um, in terms of points-wise, but if you watched the games or were watching the games at the time, we, we put up a, a good display. So we were quite yeah. hard done by. Um, I think with a lot of Israeli footballers is that they're technically really, really good players, but they struggle physically, especially playing against European players. Um, mm. So it was, it was a, it was, it was tough. It was really tough, but technically there's some absolutely incredible players playing over there. So yeah, just to, to play that game against us, such a famous Spanish opposition to play at the stadiums. It was yeah. surreal. And then to, to top it off and to, to win the game with, with the winning goal, um yeah literally incredible like amazing experiences something that I, i'm very grateful for yeah if any reading fans haven't seen that definitely recommend you go check nick out putting that one in the back of the neck <laughs> it's a it's a good goal it's a, it's a nice take so uh no that's a great one so we'll uh we'll move on um last to your your international career and um obviously i believe you're eligible to represent um, quite a few different countries, um, but eventually, um, you know, as I think many of us would if we had the opportunity, chose Barbados, uh, a beautiful place <laughs> to live, and I'm sure a beautiful place to play football as well. Um, what was that decision-making process like, and, and how did you end up playing with them? Um, it was pretty straightforward at the time. I think I was 29, and in terms of the, the other teams that I was eligible to play with, I wasn't playing at the, at the level required, um, you know, to, to even be considered for selection for those guys. So, um, again, it's something that I've, I've always wanted to do was to play international football. Uh, I'd spoke previously with, with Barbados um, about it, but I just felt the timing wasn't right. I wanted to concentrate on my, on my club career at that moment. And it, it, it just came around. And um, I think I was 29 at the time. Um, yep. And yeah, they... They approached me. I, I, I like the sound of it, you know, to go play some football in Barbados. And uh, it was it's, it's fantastic. We had, we had a really good team pre-COVID. Um, it, was, it was really quite exciting. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of talent on the island. Um, and then we just missed out on, on qualifying for the Gold Cup, which was unfortunate. And then things have been difficult since, uh, excuse me, things have been difficult since... Um, since after COVID, you know, they've, they've not quite managed to, to build back to the same level they, they were. Um, but I'm sure, you know, they, they need a bit of stability and uh, I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll get back there. Yeah, definitely. I, I think you'll have a really interesting perspective on this too. Um, one of the most recent international tournaments um, to come onto the scene has been the Nations League. Um, and obviously when England or... Um, you know, the or Germany or whoever are playing in those, they're playing against the, you know, the teams that they might come up against in a, a major tournament. Um, 
but for for yourself at Barbados, you got to play against other teams, you know, closer to your skill level. Um, how did you feel about the the Nations League? Did you enjoy playing in that tournament versus playing, you know, friendlies and things like that? Or um, yeah, what was it like playing in the Nations League? I suppose. The Nations League was a fantastic opportunity to play, you know, obviously against the the South American and uh, Caribbean islands. Um, it was a fascinating way to to see how different cultures and different countries, you know, go about their business and, and, and play football because, you know, being born in and raised in England, you, you think there's only real, really one way to, to go about things. But there's some fa- fantastic teams out there, some fantastic players. And I think it exposed Barbados in terms of the talent that they have, but also how... Uh, much room there is in needs of improvement, you know, in terms of their structure, you know, to be able to compete with the the bigger the bigger guys in the in the nations league. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, fantastic. Well, thank you for helping us walk through your career, uh, Nick. We've got some uh, some really great sort of quick fire questions, and, and they've come in from the the listeners and uh, and from our team at the Towerhurst End. So uh, we're going to go to a, a quick break, and then we're going to uh, finish up today with some uh, quick fire questions. Keep up to date with all things Reading FC. Follow the Towerhurst End on Facebook and Twitter. This podcast is proudly sponsored by ZCZ Films. Remember, if you want to get involved in sponsoring the show, drop us an email to the End at gmail.com. All right. Welcome back to the Tilehurst End podcast. Um, so uh, thank you to all of the listeners um, who have sent in your, your quick fire questions for, for Nick today. Um, we're going to try and get through as many of those as possible right now. Uh, Nick, uh, you, if you haven't heard the podcast before, we have a mailbag in the middle and that mailbag occasionally expands out to become the majority of the podcast. We have some very vocal fans. Um, so <laughs> that's the that's the base we're dealing with here. So. Uh, ready to get started? We'll do about three to five minutes here. All right. No problem. All right. So first, coming from my co-host, uh, Ben, who was the best at training at the club and why was it Chris Gunter? <laughs> Did Chris send that message in himself? Yeah, yeah, probably. No, I know. Uh, another Welshman, a big fan. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, who's the best at, best at training? I would say... Uh, Ability-wise, Royston, and um, attitude-wise, Chrissy Gunter. Awesome, awesome. All right, so then this will build on to that. Uh, who was the most talented player at the club during your time? Um, Royston, and then without being big-headed, I think it was myself second. Nice, nice. Love that, Nick. All right, cool. Um, what was your favorite shirt that you played in, Reading or otherwise? Uh, Maccabi, the the one we scored the Villarreal one, the blue one, the blue and black one. That's That's a great one, yeah. And and I can't let the this go. Unfortunately, I've been asked many times to ask you: Did you enjoy playing in the African violet, the the purple kit for Reading? No, no, not at all. It was too baggy. (laughs) Too baggy. All right, all right. Um, So you you started your career with uh, Macclesfield. Have you kept up with the Macclesfield uh, Phoenix Club at all? No, not the Phoenix Club, but I've always looked out for the results. Nice. Okay. Do you remember, did you play under Paul Ince there? And if so, do you have any memories of Paul? 
Yes, Paul Lynch gave me my league debut. Um, between him and John Askey, who is a legend there at Macclesfield, gave me my big breaks in football, and I wouldn't have achieved what I did in the game without those two. Awesome. Awesome. Um, scoring in the Europa League or scoring in the Nations League, which is better? Europa League. Europa League, okay. Uh, Rolling Stones or the Beatles? The Beatles. Beatles, nice. Okay, back to football. Uh, which player you played with would score the most goals in five-a-side? Ooh. Uh, which player would score? Uh, Ola John, he was, a, he was a tricky customer in five-a-side. Nice, nice. Okay, it's a different game, five-a-side. You know, so much technical stuff. Yeah. Um, do you still keep up with Reading at all, Nick? Do you, do you know any of the players on the current team? Of course. Team? Nice, nice. Of course. Which, um, yeah. Which player on the current team would you most like to play with? I don't know his name off by the, the tall striker, he, the young boy who scored a lot of goals in preseason. Yes. I, I know no early in the season, know. sorry. Kelvin Ahib Hatcherman, which is quite the name. Him, I think he's a he's a he's a real talent. I I know Sam Sam Smith. He was a he was a youngster there when I was there, but I I, I really like him, and I think he needs to play a lot more. Awesome, awesome. Okay, um, last one here. You played in every league in England. Okay, quick summary. Yes. What do you love about each one? Uh, ooh, what do I love yeah, about I know, each it's a one? League question. two. That's a very tricky question. League two, I was, a, I was a, a real kid at the time, so I was just kind of getting used to things and, and understanding how it works. It was a tough grounding. I would say grounding uh, League two, you know, in terms of facilities. Um, league one, uh, I had the experience of playing for Sheffield United, who were a massive team, and especially in League one. Um, so just being used to playing for a big team in that league um, and, and the following, that was a... That, a great experience and to start to play under a lot of pressure. Um, yep. Reading, again, similar experience to, to Sheffield United in terms of playing in the Premier League. Um, uh, I, did, I managed to play a game in the Premier League. So, yeah, they gave me opportunities to play, you know, a handful of games in the Premier League and then get, going down to the Championship with them, having to perform under, under pressure again. And then, obviously, yep. playing in, in the Premier League, um, incredible what, what dreams are made of and, and what every kid wants to do. Fantastic. Very well done. Uh, to, that, was a, that was a big question, sorry, to, to, to throw at you to, uh, to finish there. So, nicely done, Nick. All right. Well, um, it's been fantastic to have you today, Nick. Um, really interesting insight, you know, both on um, Reading, but also just on, on what being a player is like. Um, so yeah thank you thank you so much for your time today no worries you're welcome thank you again for having me on awesome all right well thank you everyone for listening today and let us know what you think of the interview in the in the comments and we're looking forward to seeing it thanks guys bye now